0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network Broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
1: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll.
3: Welcome back to the speakeasy. <laughs> I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Suther Teague. Hey, Suther. How you doing, bud? I'm well. Excellent. That's good to hear. Do I sound Okay. Dave, do I sound okay? No, you sound you sound normal. You sound magnificent. It's, it's, oh, okay, it's a new board. Yeah, it's a new board. So yeah, yeah there's some <laughs> quirks. Sounds
4: different in my in we're my. We're working headset. out the quirks, but did it's, we get enough
3: donations through uh, our our shows to get a new board? We, no, we're just we, in debt. It was a, it was a uh, we're just in debt again. It was,
4: it was a smash and grab situation.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, either way, we're still working. We swung by the Best Buy <laughs> after hours. Yeah, I, yeah. It was it was a. It Was a little Long Island uh, midnight run, yeah. <laughs> um, um, say, how, how you been, man? What's going on? I've been well. It's been a good week.
4: Cool. I've been I've been holed up in my apartment writing. On your phone? On my phone. You're
3: writing. The, you're going to write the whole fucking book on your phone.
4: Indeed, sir. That's amazing. That's my goal. <laughs> nice. Uh, I turned in uh, uh, just over twenty six hundred words yesterday. Felt good. Um wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, Young David Tattashore, the Foley artist. <laughs> <laughs> the budding Foley artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I feel like the week has blinked by because I I did just hold up uh, kind of the whole time and, and work on the book. Uh, you know, in addition to working at the bar uh, four nights, which, you know, that's... I, I always forget for me to work four nights at Amore Margo. That's that's a 50-hour commitment. Yeah. Right? So, like, that, that chews up your week without really noticing. Oh, for sure. And then the remaining uh, three days, I just worked on the book. Anyway, what have you been up to this week? um
3: i was in new mexico
4: yeah for your mom's celebration not her birthday but the celebration right her 60th yeah right her Uh, birthday was her birthday was it was last month but we
3: went out this month and uh yeah actually it was uh, a it's really cool i love going out there and yeah man um got to check out some of the like budding cocktail bars sure they're out there i mean got to go to the old old school places i like to go to when i'm out there but um yeah, I kind of want to give a quick shout out to uh, Angela and the team at uh, Secreto in Santa Fe. Uh, the team at Tonic, really cool little jazz cocktail bar. There. Uh, yeah, I
4: was following your Instagram stories. Lots of lots of good looking boomerangs. Lots of, of, <laughs> lots of, of, of boomerangs. Cheersing. Yeah, you've 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 really come into your own in the boomerang world.
3: Hey man, it's uh, I'm 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 trying to stay young, but <laughs> hey, you're doing great. Um, uh, and then uh. Uh, there's also uh, the Creme Brewing Company out of Albuquerque. Um, our buddy, a uh, longtime listener of the show, um, hit me up, and I unfortunately couldn't make it over there, but uh, uh, wanted to say hey. You and still got so to drink some of his beers, though. We got yeah, I, I had some of his beers. All very right. good. Um, anyway, yeah, so like it was really cool. It was a really cool trip. Lots of green chili, which oh I'm yeah, sure you'd really appreciate. I and, uh, yeah, good times, man. Really great vibes. It's, you know, like... Vibes. Every time I... Yeah, vibes, man. <laughs> um, every time I travel, which has been a lot lately, but it's it's just so cool to see what people are doing in different markets, like, they're, you know, like, especially, like, like like regional ingredients, you know? Like, I remember going to, like, Pesce in uh, in Austin, Texas, like, I don't know, man, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was cool. Like, there was also another place, I don't even know if it's around anymore, I think it was called... Uh, I think it's just called like hometown or something like that. I'm, I'm gonna have to check myself on that. Townhouse, townhouse, mm-hmm. and they were doing like this red chili, cola, that made in house. And it's just like cool using like the regional stuff like agave and, and chilies and stuff like that. So there's a lot of uh, green, chi- green and red chili, you know, cocktails in New Mexico, and it's great. Yeah, it had this really awesome uh, last word variation with like green chili in it. Chartreuse. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah, it was New really, Mexican really good. green chili and Chartreuse. Yeah, so spicy, like, sweet. Yeah, it was awesome. And that was at Secreto. Mm. But yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, so... Uh, Idea yeah. for my book. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <Must> <laughs> but it's it. Yeah, it's just cool, like, seeing, like, you know, it's a big, beautiful world out there, but it's also kind of small, you know? Yeah, like, it has its
4: insular pockets, right? Yeah. Speaking of insular pockets, yeah, our guest on the show today wrote a book about the Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah, Shanna Farrell, author of Bay Area Cocktails, is joining us in the studio today. Welcome hey, to the welcome. studio.
5: Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me.
4: Good to hey, see
3: yeah. you. Pleasure's always.
4: Um, so... I, I get people to send me their bio, or at least a little chunk of something to give me some heads up if I don't uh, have a good personal connection with them when, when they're coming on the show. And your bio, the first thing it states was the most fascinating part to me, you, you're an oral historian?
5: I am, yeah. I work at UC Berkeley in the Oral History Center, so I do long-form life history interviews. Everything is recorded, transcribed, archived, and I work on a lot of things, but I specialize in cocktail history, so interviewing distillers, bar owners, bartenders, writers, historians. Cool. Very How cool. do I get
4: a job like that?
5: Yeah, I kind of. Oh wait, this is a job <laughs>
4: well, like that. This is a job like that. You don't that. get paid, <laughs> right? Okay, we're, we're going to work on that. Uh, that's fascinating. How does one go about getting into that line?
5: Um, so my background is in music production. I went to undergrad for that, and so the the sound and the recording and the engineering was always kind of the foundation for it. Um, and then I went to grad school. Doing informational interviews I was at NYU doing interdisciplinary stuff I called it environmental anthropology I made that up <laughs> um, and then I the best
4: jobs are always the ones you make up it's vibes. true
5: yeah I, I make up a lot of my jobs and then I it's went the to Columbia and did their oral history program so from there I, I moved to Berkeley yeah,
4: yeah it did their program meaning you went to their? I, oh, yeah you, okay, sorry you so attended. Sorry. I
5: did I did I got my master's in oral history uh, there's a program up, up in Columbia that specializes in, it. so I learned how to do the whole methodology, and I was uh, doing more environmental stuff. But I was doing a history of the Hudson River, and I wanted to interview a distiller because I'd been bartending. So I was like, "Well, this would be an interesting part of the project." So I ended up interviewing Ralph Orenzo from Tullettown. Cool, right? And, yeah, Tuttletown. Yeah, Tuttletown. Tuttletown.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ralph and and Gable. That's,
5: yeah, Gable. Part of yep, it? Yeah. Yep.
3: Okay, so you're doing a, an oral history
4: of the area and then you decide to fold in distilling into that and then that suddenly becomes the rabbit hole that is then now your entire focus.
5: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it it was bartending. I always liked the spirit production and that there was a narrative on the bottles and I was like, this is really interesting. Why don't I talk to the people who make this stuff?
4: Where does all that archived information end up? Is it somewhere that I could go and yeah. access and listen to. And yeah,
5: there's a lot of my transcripts that I've done through Berkeley are available online. So anywhere in the world, you can just search. If I can, you, well, you can search my name, UC Berkeley, and then the search engine will come up.
4: Shannon Ferrell, uh, UC yeah. Berkeley,
5: and then all the interviews that I've done will come up, including one with Dave Wondrich. That's up there.
4: Cool, yeah. and they're all audio.
5: They're all well. We record on video. When I do them on my oh. own, I do I do just audio. So for the book, I did think this on my si- on the side, and it's all audio.
4: Cool, outstanding. Have you parlayed this into like a podcast?
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm working <laughs> on. I'm working on. <laughs> I'm one trying right
3: to figure now. out. The business <laughs> angles for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're gonna put us out of business. <laughs>
5: uh, I'm working on a podcast now called The Prefix, and it's about the intersection of food and drink. Because I feel like in the culinary world, cocktails or drinks kind of get the Second, they're the second stage. They're not really the bell of the ball, so I wanted to put them in conversation with each other. So um, it's like the thematic intersection between food and drink.
4: Yeah, that's totally interesting to me as a former chef. And also, you're right. Cocktails and drinks are not the bell of the ball, though they are the workhorse of revenue. It's true. Which they seems the super odd. Centers. Which yeah. seems super odd to me that uh, more um, whatever fine dining uh, establishments don't pay as much attention to cocktails. Yeah. When, it's, when it's where the money's at.
3: Yeah, you could do a little devil's advocacy here, though. I mean, there's... I, I wouldn't say you're, like, 100% right across the board. No,
4: of course not. Nothing's 100%. Obviously,
3: things have changed a lot over the past oh, 10 man. years. Incredible, but incredible. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah,
4: yeah. I, I'd, say, I'd say still it's generally not the focus. You know, uh, I can... You know, I can go eat at Laverna Den, which I have only done twice in my life, and it's amazing. And I love the food, and I love Eric Repair, and they just got a third Michelin star, which is incredible. And, you know, you can get a, a decent Manhattan in there. House Cocktail List
3: is pretty unremarkable. So you're saying they're never going to be on the show? <laughs> no, let's get them on the show and talk about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally.
5: There's right? a, a disconnect between, like, what is on the back bar versus what's coming out of kitchens, I think. So, I don't know. I, I kind of subscribe to the Thad Vogler school of thought where spirits are agricultural mm-hmm. products. And so, like, gonna your Damon. <laughs> if you're not going to put additives in your food, don't put high, don't carry stuff with high fructose corn syrup in it. I don't know. Sure. But to me, it seems... Fair enough.
4: It seems pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, I recall very much, you know, my um, first experiences behind the bar after leaving the kitchen, it seemed very shocking to me that people were... Um, Extremely interested, you know, at bars I worked at back in those days, I worked at at, uh, chef-driven restaurants, and I was behind the bar because I felt more comfortable in those environments. Um, But it seemed very odd to me that a a guest who was maybe dining at the bar would ask me every question about every item on the menu. Is the beef uh, free range? Are the the hen's eggs local? All the thing. And then they'd go, yeah, I'll I'll have a mojito. And there's four feet of snow on the ground, and I'm thinking to myself, do
3: you know where this mint came from? Like, it wasn't from (laughs) around here. (laughs) You know, like... I mean, when you put it that way, I, I, I get what you're what both of you are saying. But
4: I also totally understand that food is more uh, you know driven by necessity, and and drink is more driven by frivolity and and you know celebration. And you say to yourself, you know, I want to treat myself. I want a mojito in the middle of winter. I get it. But That's, I still yeah. thought that it was odd that the questions would never even arise. They would yeah, never. No one's sure. ever really asking me questions back then. Certainly, you're, you're right, David. Like, it's it's you come ask, around some. Yeah. But and like, then where, you order oh, a captain a, and coke. Is this Tuttle Town? <laughs> is it <laughs> so like from that. nearby? Like they'll ask questions like that now. But in the past, no, no questions like that. Whatsoever.
3: Well, That uh, Yeah. And I you mean, remember
4: you worked behind? Of the,
3: course. Yeah. The bar like, prime like, meats. And no, I'm old as fuck. I know. But I, I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I just like I've seen like all sides of it to where like I'm like that's not me like saying like uh, I know everything because I don't and I, I'm glad that I don't know everything let I love learning I'm super glad you don't know everything um <laughs> 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 but like you know I've worked in places where it's like and I've been to places where like like say major food group where like Tom Sua is making these crazy fucking cocktails and the presentation and the production is just insane and then like places like well very recently you know like the aviaries in New York City now and just the production and like the, the pop and circumstance, like like the, the, the show of the cocktail is every bit as much uh, considered as the the plates that are coming out
4: yeah you it, know. it's starting to have it's I feel like this is maybe the third wave of the cocktail revolution
3: I, yeah. yeah that's fair
2: yeah
4: you know
3: like that's, we, that's fair. That's
4: we fair. had the wave yeah. of the bartender's know all. Then we have the wave of the consumer knows plenty now. And now we're having the wave of it's connected to the kitchen.
3: Yeah, for sure. And that pomp- I mean, it, in, At least
4: in that way, in a pomp and
3: circumstance way.
5: It's interesting. Yeah, I feel but like... It's also...
3: It- it's also a- it's very much different, like, on the coasts. Yes. Which, you know, I mean, like, what we're talking about today, like, what we should get into yeah, with get the into book, it. Bay Area Cocktails, it is very, like, the West Coast thing is, like, very, is, you know, like, East Coast, we're, like, fuck it, boozy, bitter, stirred, yeah. forget it. Well, of course, you know that, because I'm more yeah. Margo, that's all you do. Um. But then, of course, there's a lot of, like, herb and fresh produce-driven cocktails. That's more, like, the iconic, like, West Coast style. Sure. So how does that play into this book?
5: Yeah, so actually talking about the, the culinary conversation, the revival really grew out of the culinary world. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. Sure. There's a, you know, the the Alice Water school of thought and using fresh seasonal ingredients and so the the book kind of starts off with that a little bit and then how that affected distilling because the first craft distillery since prohibition opened in 1983 in Alameda, California, which is St. George Spirits, just had their 35th anniversary. Yeah. Um, and then a year later, two other craft distilleries opened in the North Bay area. So like near Napa, Sonoma, that area. Right. And so that kind of, I think, starts to drive things forward. When did, um, did
3: Charbay start? Making spirits.
5: That was in 84. Charbet and Germain Raban opened a year after St. George. Okay, good. I knew
3: they'd been around for a while.
4: Which is still incredible. Such a fertile area full of plenty of things that could be distilled. And 50 years after Prohibition was the first distiller. That's crazy.
5: It's crazy. The distillery was also opened by a former uh, judge. So Jorg Rup founded it, and he was uh, a, a... judge in Germany, so he had a lot of, like, legal knowledge that helped him set up the distillery, and he also helped open and no- um, gave guidance to a lot of other distillers around the country that kind of helped the craft distilling thing happen. Yeah, so...
4: I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a leader and a pioneer who understands that a high tide raises all boats. You know? If, yeah. you, if you can set yourself up and then set other people up for success as well, you're only going to raise... Like Ralph raise Renzo did. Stuff. Exactly, yeah. 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 That's yeah. amazing. Uh, so... That's very cool. The whole I'm I'm keep I'm very fascinated by this whole oral history thing, Um, and then parlaying that into what is potentially going to be some kind of crazy podcast that's going to dominate heritage radio. Are you listening? Maybe (laughs) should maybe should pick this thing up. Um, And then how then did you then translate that towards this book? How did you? Is this your first book?
5: My first book, yeah. Of so any kind? Of any kind, yeah. yeah. Um, I had actually written an article for Punch a few years ago that kind of helped launch my writing career a little bit, and that was about being a woman who writes whiskey. And that actually helped launch the project as well because they were they put me in touch with Dave Wondrich and Dale DeGroff, and so they, through conversations with them, kind of gave me some topics to think about, people to talk to. Um, and then I started writing for some smaller, more local like edible East Bay and that I started like kind of honing in on different topics. And then that's from there kind of was the blueprint for the book. Uh, but yeah, so all the interviews were long form. I think I interviewed over 30, 30 people for the book. Um, some of them were shorter. I call them more informational interviews, like a half an hour, but some of them ended up being like, uh, anywhere from four to six hours with one person. <laughs>
4: I'm betting. I'm betting which was a six hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
5: he was definitely one of the longer well, ones.
4: Well, I huh? mean, he's got. He's. You can ask him so many questions, and and just on the side, he's got so much to say. Yeah, and we actually
5: that guy likes to talk with him. We talked a lot about his background in music, and yeah, right. how he got a start in writing and everything. That's, that was that was fun. my
3: first conversation with him. We were speaking of women and whiskey. I worked at Linnell's LTT back in the day, and when he uh, was launching and vibe. We made some blue blazers and some Tom and Jerry's in the store. And most of the time we just talked about old school or old school punk rock days. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. It was really cool.
4: Um, we're right here at the midpoint. I want to take a break. Uh, but I do want to point out, it's cool that, that we brought up Dave and you brought up in vibe in particular. Did you know that just the other day was the 10 year anniversary of vibe? Yeah. So shout out to Dave Wondridge for sparking a lot of fires that are still burning. That's really, that's really amazing. Thanks for everything, Dave. Um, So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back with Shanna Farrell and talk more about, we're going to get into the meat of the book, Bay Area Cocktails.
3: Hey, we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Shanna, talking about your book, Bay Area Cocktails. You know what? Okay, before the break, you mentioned something about being a, a female writing about whiskey, uh, for Punch. I I love that. You know you know Heather Green? She wrote the book yeah. uh, Whiskey Distilled. She's been on the mm-hmm. show before. Yep. And like and also like Talia Bayoki from Punch. Like it's like I I I still think it's a remarkable thing that we have so many outlets for information about the industry and about spirits and cocktails and everything. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I find it funny though, to say, to mention that like a female doing the whiskey writing thing. Cause I'm like, I, when I think about all my favorite writers, they're all females. So I'm just like, yeah, we, we're not, we're not really like holding up our end of the bargain. <laughs> Listen,
4: Hey, we're we're doing our best. I
3: think uh, you know <laughs> it's uh, but it's also you
4: know it's scientifically proven that that, that females have a better uh, sense of uh, olfactory sense, so their mm-hmm. their smell is heightened, which aroma is ninety percent of flavor. It all yeah. makes sense to me. Totally.
3: Well, you also, um, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. You were talking about uh, the well. We're talking about your your background and. Uh, being an oral historian and everything and This must be weird for you being interviewed, right? Because you're it, normally the one interviewing people
5: It's super weird This, <laughs> is, this doesn't feel natural <laughs>
3: are, are we doing well? Are we you're,
5: good at you're it? You're
4: doing great, yeah It's like we we're just conversationalists
5: we're No, just, it's great
3: we're not, we're not getting a raise, we're not getting a paid emotion It's it, We're just going to stay steady at $0 No matter what you say <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> It's also radio When I interview, I like sit back and don't talk very much I just ask questions
3: yeah. So, well, I'm glad yeah, that you're, is- you're here with us today doing this. That's yeah. Yeah, really cool. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about this book. Um, yeah. So, like, as far as the Bay Area cocktail history goes, where would you kind of, like, tie back the, the origin? I know, like, so, like, there's certain things that are very iconic for San Francisco. Say, like, Pisco is uh, yeah. a huge, like, did you know that? I something? did, actually, yeah. Yeah, Pisco was like, a huge thing. It came through... Uh, San Francisco, was it, into the was gateway of yeah. the United States. Yeah,
5: because yeah, San Francisco used to be a port town. Right. So that would come through, and yeah, there yeah. was a surplus all the time. Obviously, um, you've
3: got like things like Fernet Branca. Yeah. Huge. Wait, yeah. what? What's that? I don't know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's let's listen to Shannon.
4: Oh. oh, is
3: that the cracking
4: sound of a Fournette Branca bottle?
5: A fresh Fournette bottle.
3: Wow, mm-hmm. it's a little bitty baby. <laughs>
5: um, yeah. So it's it's actually interesting. I kind of cite the ground zero for the the Bay Area cocktail revival at the Townhouse in Emeryville. Um, started and with this Bay. guy, yeah, in yeah. East Bay. Um, started with this guy, Paul Harrington, mm-hmm. who wrote a book, uh, but he had been, I don't know, going to flea markets and finding old cocktail books before they, you know, when they were like 50 cents and not $500. Sure, sure. Um, and so he was doing, this was also before a time where there were cocktail menus, restaurants didn't have cocktail menus. So he was doing the bespoke thing and he had all this fresh knowledge that he'd be really excited to, to share with people. Um, he ends up moving, he's at the townhouse for a while. He was going to UC Berkeley. He ends up moving, um, to Enrico's in North beach and he had just bought this book, uh, a, a Cuban cookbook. And in the back, um, there was a section on uh, rum drinks. So he was really into the Hemingway Dockery and the Mojito. Two writers come and sit in front of his bar at Enrico's and they're like, Hey, can you make us a nice drink for the summer? And so a mojito is made and that they ended up writing about it, kicks off the mojito craze, which lived on for many years in Paul North Beach. That was Paul Harrington, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Um and then the writer, he, he, so people would come in with the newspaper and order off the paper, and he was like, this is weird. This is kind of <laughs> antithetical. I like having that, inter- the intimacy of that interaction with my guests. Oh, wow. So he didn't, and then it was also some uncollegial people there. So he ended up going back to the townhouse. People followed him there, including this guy, Gary Wolf, um, who I think may, I, I may be messing this up. I have to, I have to fact check myself. But um, there, yeah, a couple writers followed him back. a Wired magazine is starting their blog called Hotwire. There's a woman, Laura Moorhead, who wants, she pitches this cocktail column. And Gary was like, yeah, you can do this, but you have to contact Paul Harrington. So Paul becomes one of the, like, the source of information. So we would go into the um, Hotwired offices and then on, like, Thursdays and Fridays, make cocktails. There'd be, like, 12 researchers. That's how the Alchemist blog started. And then he started writing. Laura kind of pushed him to start writing. And then, yeah, that's he came out with one of the first cocktail books since Prohibition, well, during the revival. And then uh, decided that he really wanted to be an architect, so he ended up leaving the industry when he was 30, moves back up to his home state of uh, Washington, becomes an architect, and that's why we don't really hear from him very much anymore. It's because he left the industry. But that book ends up on the shelf of all the bars around town. So when I was doing all these oral history interviews, people kept mentioning Paul Harrington. They were like, this is the guy I had, I I interviewed Jeff Morgenthaler, and he pulls Paul's book from the shelf and starts reading from it. Eric Adkins from The Slanted Door is talking about him, because that was the book he learned how to make everything from, like takes it out of his briefcase puts it on the table as he's talking about it. i was like i gotta interview this guy i gotta find out so i kind of cite him as the the, the ground Genesis, zero guy yeah yeah, wow. yeah.
4: and yeah. You, so you you went and had a face-to-face interview with
5: him i actually interviewed him on the phone um which i don't recommend but it's it yeah it was kind of my only option but yeah i did a couple hours with him on the phone and since then i've actually written an article that was that was pretty cool. People as like the saying that it was that the townhouse was where the revival started and Twitter started all the, the old school cocktail folks started picking up on it and that was really fun. It's amazing.
2: So,
3: so uh, just backing up a little bit, um, so then, you would say that the the actual like San Francisco like Bay area, like it started in Emeryville, like in like uh, Oakland, like between the Emeryville's between yeah. Oakland and Berkeley, right? It's
5: that like weird sort of area where Price Fighter is now, but right. um, it's an, an old industrial area.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I gave <laughs> Sother my Prize Prizefighter koozie. Fighter, <laughs> Price Fighter I, I, right I, here on my beer?
5: I noticed that when we started. I
3: was like, yeah. Yes. I was just there like two weeks ago. Oh mm-hmm. nice. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I didn't see you guys. Yeah. Sorry, we weren't there. I didn't make it by Beretta. Or, She's busy making Bim's cups, baby. <laughs> I tried, man. We were in Big Sur. It's getting weird, Makes you know? Makes sense. <laughs> but uh, um, no, because you think about like, it, okay, so is it fair to say like San Francisco and the Bay Area are like two different things, or do you just call it all the same thing? Because like
5: it's all the same thing. Yeah. Because like, okay. yeah. yeah. so,
3: yeah. when I think about like iconic like, San Francisco cocktails, I think I immediately go to the Buena Vista Cafe yes. with the Irish coffee. And that shit's been going on for a long ass time.
5: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
3: Um, and also mm-hmm. a little insider tip here uh, for the outside is you can get roadies of Irish coffees at the Bunny Biscuit well. They'll sell you mm-hmm. the, the coffee and the cream and like a to-go coffee cup. Yeah. And then they'll sell you a little 50 ml bottle of their uh, Tullamore Dew House Blend and then you could take it to the park. Yep, get yeah. out of here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's awesome, man. You always got to leave with one. Yeah, D-I-N-Y. exactly. Yeah. But uh, um, but yeah. So you think about things like that. You think about um, there, it, well, obviously Fernette Bronca, like in basically everything and on everything. Um, yeah. But means- those are those seem to be more like San Francisco and not Bay Area, and, and or, or sorry, East Bay rather.
5: Okay. Yeah, I mean, but there is a lot of crossover between the East Bay and San. Mar- it's 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 all Bay Area, but and yeah. and a lot of these people are in the same community. A lot of people like one of the owners of of Trick Dog. He got to start bartending in the East Bay for That's, years. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 the same community.
3: When is someone going to open a fucking bar on Treasure Island?
5: I have been wanting to know the <laughs> same thing. Dude. There's a new distillery and uh, open there. Everyone's
3: and afraid of radiation. I'm like, you know what? What oh, the fuck? It's like sick. I do way worse things to myself.
5: That's, like yeah.
3: I'm about to eat that entire cake over there. Like
5: <laughs> it's it's also really hard to get people to get to Treasure Island. I did a book how at, is at it a distillery. hard to do that? It's people are afraid it's of public right transportation. I don't know. It's what? yeah yeah. So it's Drink just like drive. a little Get island that's in the middle <laughs> of the bay. And, I'm not yeah. saying
3: that that's yeah, something that's, you should do. But, right. but you <laughs> know, it's awesome. <laughs> There's they,
5: a bus that goes there, but nobody takes it. It's, but it's yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. It's
3: like, it, and also, come on, man. It's called Treasure Island. It's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. It's called <laughs> Treasure Island, yeah. too. How could, how could anything possibly go wrong Something's there? Something's got to be out there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, think, I think I've never really spent much time there, but, like, that's like the part of the... Everyone's talking about rent being too high and mortgage being too high in the Bay Area. And, and I'm like, dude, let's go to Treasure Island. We'll be on an island full of treasures. Yes. And it's like we, we're we halfway between Oakland and San Francisco. It's perfect.
5: Yeah, the views are beautiful. One time I was driving across the bridge and my car started to overheat, so I had to pull over on Treasure Island. I was like, there could be worse places to be stuck for
3: yeah, a little while. totally. Yeah, nice. It's really pretty, yeah.
4: So Paul Harrington kind of kicked it all off. Yeah, sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, before That's we go any job. further, let's, let's get job. a, let's drink yeah. these glasses. Yeah. We do have some, thanks for bringing yeah. this in. We do have some for rocket in the house. You like this stuff? I've heard of it before.
5: Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Paul Harrington. And then um, I kind of have like four heroes of the book, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul being one of them. Uh, Julio Bermejo, because he changes the way that America drinks tequila yep. and agave mm-hmm. spirits. So he's in there. He's very important. Um, his bar is also when the the USBG in San Francisco started, one of the meeting places. Um, and then, uh, so community is really big there. Um, Thad Bogler, doing the, the spirits as an agricultural product, demanding that producers are more transparent. And then uh, Marco Valdo Dionysus. He's super important. He opens Absinthe in 1998. He's the first one to put classic cocktails on menus and actually write what year the what year and what book the cocktails came from.
3: Yeah, I was yeah, there. The Provenance. I was there like a couple of weeks ago with my friend uh, Amanda Womack. Mm-hmm. You know, Amanda. Yeah. She was at Anchor. Now she's with the Jagermeister. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I i never been there, but um, Rob Schwartz. I don't know him. Did didn't he write the book the classic God, but he works for Southern now. But um, I don't know. anyway, book? I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I'm just named. I just dropped something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I could pick it up. Um, he wrote a book.
4: I <laughs> like when you talk slow because <laughs> I'm looking at it up. right now. Yeah, he wrote a book. Uh, we'll talk about, while he while he's googling. Talk about uh, Julio. It's called yeah. the, the Art um, of the Bar. Oh, The oh, Art of the, the Bar, bar. Yeah. 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 Jeff Hollinger in Jeff
5: Hollinger, yes. And Jeff Hollinger was absent for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Julio is a, a really amazing man. Like, one of the most hospitable people. He makes Tommy's feel like both a neighborhood bar and, I mean, he's winning all these awards for his tequila selection. You go in and he remembers everybody's name without fail, always. And that's, I mean, that's just such a welcoming thing. But he'll also... Um, when he was bringing back tequila from Mexico, 100% blue agave tequila, people would be really afraid to try it. So he used the margarita as like this gateway mm-hmm. because people were comfortable with margarita. This was in
3: the nineties, right? This
5: was in the nineties and, and yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Like yeah. during the like, the drought and everything. Right. Exactly. So it was even more precious. Right.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he would, he'll like make you a flight so you can get the different expressions. And he's, he's done it for us before, and it's, you can... A flight yeah, of margaritas. A for, flight of margaritas and oh, right. different tequilas, and you can really taste the difference there. Sure. And so that was the gateway, and that's also, I think, why the Tommy's Margaritas become so iconic.
4: Sure. Yeah, well, yeah, those are the two things he's certainly known the most for. Yeah. That, the, the Tommy's Margarita and hospitality. Yeah. Like, he's, uh, he's that. I think it's interesting that, that tertiaryly he's kind of known, I think, as the guy who brought tequila... Again, into the country in a lot of ways. Yeah, coming through San Francisco and filtering its way across the country.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And it's he also started this um, this uh, educational program where you can get you can become a doctor of tequila. So you have to taste through a certain number of tequilas. And then a lot of, it, it's part of how, like, community grows at the bars, because you can sit down and be tasting through these tequilas, and then he'll give you a test, but then you meet other people who are doing the same thing. That's cool. And once you become a doctor, you doctor go to... Of tequila? Yeah, you become a doctor of tequila, and then you go, once you're a doctor, you go to Mexico with Julio. What? Yeah. What? And I've, I've actually... What are we doing here? I've, oh, I've man, gone need to Mexico to go work on with my doctorate. <laughs> 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 it's, it's fun. Yeah, I went to Mexico with him, and a couple newly minted doctors, and... Got to tour around some distilleries. Wait, are you
4: are you saying you're a doctor of tequila? I am not, Uh-oh. no.
5: But I I got to go.
4: Yeah, it was yeah. the press. <laughs> yeah, it
5: was. It was yeah, and that's then,
4: that's kind of similar to what uh, what they do at uh, was it Rum Club? Uh, they have the the map, this giant map of all the rums that they have, and you have to drink a
3: shot of all of them before you get this like certificate of of rumness. The, I can think of a few places with similar things. There was uh, the place is no longer around anymore, but it was in Park Slope. It's called Pork Slope.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah.
3: And they uh, they had this thing where it's like, <laughs> it's... you know, their their thing was American whiskey. Yeah. And so like you would get in the book, and it's, when you had like a hundred whiskeys, they would put your name on the trophy. That's right. Like a brass placard. And like, Jim Kearns, who doesn't drink anymore, he's on there like three times. <laughs> so he had, like three hundred shots there, but. Um, then there's, uh, there's a place in, uh, oh, it's in L.A. It's actually, uh, it's the oldest tiki bar, the Tonga Hut. Oh. The uh, Yeah, they have, like, if you, I guess it's a Beach Bum Berry's book, Remixed. If you have all 91 drinks in there, they build this, like, they make these awesome, like, personalized plaques for you and you get on the wall. Yeah. You know what? So there, this was like a, I was gonna say this man, you should probably think about doing something like this for Moria Margo, I've been thinking yeah. about it actually, strangely, because um, my buddy. The reason I even thought of the that rum,
4: the thing at the rum club is because my buddy Nathan Lehman did it, and there your ultimate goal there is that you you learn a lot, obviously. Sure. You you drink through all the rums in the house, but
3: then you're also part of the thing. You're
4: yeah. part of the thing, and yeah. then you get so similar to what you just said with the sort of trophy or what have you. What what they do out there is they give you a coin, not dissimilar to, to the Fournette coins or whatever. But then when you every time you come back to the bar and lay down the coin, you get a snack. What? So that encourages you to come back because you know your first snackery's on the house and then you sit there and you drink the rum and you've had them all so you know which ones you like the best. and you, It's smart. It's,
5: yeah. it's,
4: it's very good marketing as well as community building. Mar- Martin
5: Kate does that at Smugglers too. They have the rum Society Right. Oh Society. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think when you rum if you master all of that, you get to go with him to a rum distillery. I don't know. I'm a little bit more fuzzy on that one, but same same sort of thing.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, you're not used you to getting a thing <laughs> where you drink. <laughs> you can do a thing where you
4: drink through all the amaros and then once you've succeeded on the then thing, I take you I take, you, Italy. I yeah. take you down I take you down in the basement and break your nose.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Cuz it's bitter, baby. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it took a really crazy turn. All right. Or we'll uh, go to Italy. Your thing's good. Your, your idea is uh, good too. I am like I'm good cop. Your idea Your is good too. You got BTP in a gimp suit. <laughs> oh, oh no, man. images. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. So, let's uh not very... Okay, so let's talk about the Fernand Branca San Francisco connection. Yeah. North Beach. Yeah, since you bought us, brought us a bottle. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
5: secret handshake kind of was the the tacit signal if you order one that you're in the industry. Same same thing. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that that's a pretty common thing. But North Beach, historically Italian neighborhood, a lot of Fernet drunk there. Um, There was this like corner in North Beach, Enrico's, Glow, a couple other ones where um, the bartenders who worked there took cocktails seriously. And that's how the USBG kind of grew out of it. But yeah,
3: I mean, fifteen Romolo was probably like, yeah, probably yeah. An important part of that, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. A lot of people talk about that. a black hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always we a black hole. Right yeah,
4: but oh, yeah. I call those entry bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's me that goes in. <clears> the <throat> <clears throat> cocktail lunch. There you yeah. go. <laughs> 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 it's, me that goes, it's me. that goes in. Not sure who it is that comes out. <laughs>
3: it's, I, I entered. So yeah, it's right. like it, it was like a crazy phenomenon. The the idea of like Fernet Branca becoming the bartender's handshake, yeah. And then it grew and grew and grew. I'm sure Eduardo Bronco is super fucking psyched about that. But it's been going on forever. Yeah.
5: For a long for time. For a long time. Yeah. Long before, I think, the cocktail revival. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Um, like, it's, I lived in San Francisco in the mid-90s, and it was still... Well, actually, sorry. Early 90s. 93? Um, I went to culinary school out there. Oh, cool. Um, CCA. <clears throat> yeah. Valedictorian. What? Nice. <laughs> you yeah. never told me that. Hey, man, come on. I'm humble. Uh, <laughs> until just right now. <laughs> until just this moment. Well, I've had just enough. As recently as for right now. and beer. Um. Uh, yeah. It was so a, wait. It was so when there. you
3: were living there, was was the Fernet Branca thing a thing?
4: I don't think I was super aware of it, Not, but I certainly remember people drinking it, and because I remember very clearly people drinking a lot of something I don't particularly like, which is ginger beer or oh. ginger, ginger ale, because you'd get both.
3: Oh yeah. You'd get a shot in the yeah, back. Right.
4: Yeah. Then we stood And I remember up. being like, I'm not into that because I don't like that, but I would just drink whatever I drank. Old Overhole, probably. Oh, well,
3: no, sure not, not probably.
4: Bite. It was definitely what it was. Yeah, exactly. Old Overbite, we used to call it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> what, what bars did you used to go to?
4: Uh, I, so I was a student and I was poor and broke, and I lived in the Tenderloin. Okay. And I frequented um, a place called the Brown Jug, which I believe existed until just a few years ago. Okay. Uh, the reason that we went in there in the very first place, the very first time we ever went in, with my, my roommate and I, Uh, We walked by, and it had had no windows. It was on the corner of Gary and I'm never going to remember. But it had no windows, and it it had a sign on the door that said, no phone, no toilet, no change, just booze. And I was like, oh, this is the place for me. (laughs) 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 Because even back then, I drank like an old man.
3: Did you go to the Page? Did you go to the 500 Uh, Club? uh,
2: No, I mean, honestly,
4: the the two places I remember the most are um, the, the Brown Jug and a place called the John Bull Cocktail. Which was like a longshoreman. Oh work. yeah, yeah. I it was that. very similar to like Milanos here in New York. Yeah,
3: I just met a guy in Santa Fe actually. Um, I'm not gonna name names or anything, but he said he met his current wife at the 500 Club in San Francisco. And I, I, I'm not saying this to, it's, it's, anyway. Just <laughs> this is a testament to the 500 Club and not to any of their characters. But he's like, yeah, we're getting divorced. I'm like, oh, how long have you been married? He's like, yeah, about a year. Where'd you guys meet? 500 Club? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you had a good run. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty long marriage for someone you met at the 500 Club. <laughs> that's a, one of those bars
5: that opens at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, they still have the sign outside that when it's illuminated, they're open at 6 a.m. Yeah. yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah. I, I I think that's, I mean, like, we're talking about some divey stuff now, but, like, that's part of the whole the experience in San Francisco. I mean, like, totally. talking about, like, even, like, the slanted door's been around for quite some time now, too. Yeah. And Eric Adkins, used yeah.
5: Before, so like. Thad Vogler started that when they they this Slanted Door. I think this is their third location on the Embarcadero in the the Ferry Building. But when they got their liquor license, Thad Vogler was hired to run the program. So he's the one who started Slanted Door. He trained Eric Adkins. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. So now now Eric is the beverage director for the whole group. But right. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah.
3: It's cool seeing like the way that like my first experience. Um, And San Francisco, my first time to ever go there was actually going to Beretta. I was, guest bartending uh, with Ryan Fitzgerald, who now owns ABV. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. Like, first of all, it was my first, it was actually my first paid trip as a bartender. I think. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, And I'd never been to San Francisco before. Got to hang out. Got to run around with Ryan Fitzgerald. You know, did all the things. Go to Zuni Cafe for, like, the roast chicken, a bunch of Humboldt Kumamoto's, and, like, rosé in the, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) And then he's the one who took me to Buena Vista and, like, all these other places, like Comstock. And at that time, Trick Dog wasn't open yet. But, like, it's just cool, like, over the last, like, I guess it's been, like, seven years, eight years since then, maybe. Something like that. But it's just saying, like, it's really cool to see the progression of that city In such a short period of time. It's always been like, we're talking about the history of it, but it's, it's just, it's a really exciting city to go to for like food and beverage.
5: Yeah, there's a lot. And actually one of the chapters in the book is about the proliferation of cocktail bars. So it was like, basically there's a bar in every corner. And I think that kind of starts with bourbon and branch. That's a, that's a, one of the first bars without being attached to a restaurant that people are like oh Mm. this thing works people want cocktails they don't need food yeah and so that that I think changes it gives (laughs) yeah it gives people like okay we can we can make this happen and then from there it's like every week something is opening now right it's it's insane
3: yeah it's cool and then you know we mentioned before like Leo Leo and like Smoker's Cove and Whitechapel like, like all these like kind of like more thematic places sure it's like I mean, yeah. I don't know. To me, like, San Francisco is a very s- big, sleepy city. You know, it, it is. I mean, it's a big city, it's a major city, but it is kind of sleepy at the same time, which is like I find endearing. And to have so many like options for like kind of like thematic bars,
5: yeah, it works. It's like, it's it, a, it actually works. It's a hungry and thirsty town. I'm I'm actually yeah. from New York, and so for I agree with you. San Francisco feels quiet, but well, there, compared there's, to here, especially. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely. There's a, there's people, people want it there.
3: Yeah.
5: And, and it's also, I think also has to do with income as well because tech is right there. Right. So people do have a lot of expendable income that they can spend on, on good food and drink. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Frivolity. Yeah. Spend <laughs> on also. frivolity. That's what we do. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's unnecessary. <laughs> but it's fun.
3: Well, so is the 500 Club.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so do, do you have a, a a piece of the book that you that you can't not share with us today? Um, like what what piece is the is the thing that you found the most? Uh, I don't know. I mean, intriguing or fascinating or
5: definitely horrible. The, the Paul Harrington <laughs> thing was a big deal, but also I think the the forming of the, I don't know. I mean, I do think that the West Coast has contributed a lot to the revival, the national revival. Thinking about. The chronology of things absinthe opening in nineteen ninety eight. That's that's a. I mean, I feel that's like huge. they don't get yeah. the the credit that they maybe deserve. Sometimes, I mean, For I a think spirit a spirit that wasn't
3: available until like what two thousand twelve. Right,
5: exactly. Yeah. So twelve. the there was a lot of stuff happening then as well. Um, something something else opens in nineteen ninety nine. That's. I'm now forgetting, but that was a big deal. I <laughs> feel horrible. I'm forgetting it. But yeah, so there was just a lot happening here before. And I'm sorry, there was a lot happening in the Bay Area yeah. um, leading up to like the cocktail
3: boom. I th- you know, I, I will say this, like more than anything else on the West Coast, San Francisco was the biggest player as far as the consciousness of ingredients. Because right? it wasn't really coming from LA because not, at least not back then. But like, I feel like, like all of them, like wine, spirits, mm-hmm. beer, and then food, like it all was coming from yeah, it was Northern California. Yeah, and it's funny because and,
5: living here and then moving there, New York food actually feels a couple years behind. Which yeah. I know that's a How bold dare claim you? <laughs> it, that makes people really angry. But I yeah, it just it feels. Pour me some more ahead. from
4: that. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. You know, uh, you know they have the they, they have a greater access to uh, a wider swath of fresh produce. For a longer part of the year. Exactly. You know, yeah. here our season is, is, you know, in comparison, pretty short. Yeah. And the stuff isn't super close by anyway. Uh, you know, you're in downtown San Francisco and you're not, you're not, you're not, you're you're a short drive away from farmland.
5: Yeah, and there's farmer's markets every day of the yeah. week.
4: Right. That's whereas true. here they're kind of like. And they got your pinot. <laughs> yeah. And they got a nice pinot for you. Um
1: you're also in the dead of winter, wearing a flannel shirt, so it's like
3: yeah, a yeah. It's, oh, it's your a winter is summer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, of the yeah. microclimate.
3: Yeah. Exactly.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, Place is awesome.
4: Let's move there, man. I know, right? <laughs> I want to get this. Uh, Why did you I wanna leave? This, I want to get this tequila doctorate. Um, <laughs> it's a you should. Good reason to move back. Uh, also, I feel like what you're what you're maybe kind of alluding to. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in a little package for myself. But like, I feel like what, up, hap- what happened, <laughs> uh, what happens, and happened over there is more outside the bottle, whereas what we do here sort of began more inside the bottle, right? They you're, had more, yeah, you're they absolutely had more right. produce and herbs and fruits and things to put in the, into a cocktail. Sure. Whereas we were like, oh. Well, there's an
3: abundance of it. Still, here, exactly. It's like cold as fuck. So and like, I
4: right.
5: will say people there do love their their brown, bitter, boozy spirits. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't deny yeah.
4: that at all, but I think that, um, you know, frankly, they're probably reaching a broader market, uh, you know, a wider base of of guests who are interested in what they're doing because because they have, a you know, more access to whatever you want to call this, culinary cocktails where things that aren't in the in a bottle already are brought into the glass.
3: Yeah. I mean, it just kind of, like, has a... a well, it, it is what it is. It's, like, a, just a very natural vibe. and Vibes. Vibes, man. <laughs> I, I can't think of any other part of the United States that has a similar... Culinary vibe, except for maybe like Charleston, sure, something like that. Yeah, yeah like, it's another spot
4: hmm. that's got a lot of,
3: uh, you know, again, a, a longer
4: growing season, more harvestable times, yeah. more access to fresh produce.
5: Yeah, really rich yeah. agriculture. Exactly. Yeah, it's, and
3: also which is, it's great to have the awareness of what what, what those ingredients Hansen
5: are. Mills yeah. was founded there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a big part of it. Right. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um. Well, Shannon, this has been great, fascinating, eye-opening. Definitely want to get a copy of your book. It's available everywhere fine books are sold. Am I um, right in saying I'm that?
5: On the West Coast, but oh. Amazon. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah.
4: Amazon to the rescue! <laughs> yeah. Small mom and pop That's organization. They sell a few books. Drones. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I hope they make it. Plucky little, plucky little organization. <laughs> um, really great <laughs> to have you. Uh, on and talking about uh, yeah. you know, some heroes from the past that the, 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 not that distant past that have certainly laid the groundwork for where we are today yeah we um, wouldn't be here without them exactly
3: um, thanks again for coming on the show um, we would we would really love to have you back sometime yeah. next time yeah. you're in town
5: yeah well thank you so much this has been this has been really fun I, yeah. I love I listened to the show for a long time so oh, thanks. So cool much. to be here
3: first time caller
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: that's awesome um, yeah maybe you can come back and interview us
5: okay Ooh, yeah. that would be fun. Mm.
4: Yeah, turn the tables. I'm telling you, I've mentioned it more than once I'll in the recent up. past. It's getting time that I need to interview uh, Damon because he's got so many things going on that people need to hear about. Yeah.
3: I got lots of stupid things to say.
4: Lots of irons in the fire and, yes, lots of stupid things to say. Dude, yeah. if I, I interview I, you, I, dude. we will get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Dave will get drunk, too. Okay. <laughs> you mean more drunk. Um... <laughs> All right. uh, As is usual, I'm going to close out the show with a few things to say. Um, I want to plug myself a little bit. I usually don't do that. Um, Shaker and Spoon is a cool uh, uh, thing. they got uh, these boxes you can get in the mail Mm -hmm. of uh, uh, everything you need to make uh, three different cocktails, four times each, so 12 cocktails. It includes everything you need except one bottle of booze. They invited me along to be a part of this current uh, box, and I wouldn't even mention it today except for the boxes for Nepronka.
5: Oh, (laughs) Hey. Oh, and that's got, what
4: we're drinking and I got a drink in there called Slippery Slopes where I make a oh, I house made yeah. uh, cocoa um, uh, and it's a hot drink uh, it's, or it's a cold drink but it can be also made hot for the winter time it's really good uh, so check out Shaker and Spoon uh, and figure out how to, how to get yourself. it's a subscription thing um, I don't have any of the information because I'm just saying that off the top of my head uh, but coming up shows we've got uh, an, in no particular order Bernie Lovers is going to come down and talk about whiskey right. with us he's bringing a guitar you're bringing your left handed guitar and you guys are going to guitar things um uh, let's doing see. guitar things <laughs> You know <laughs> Guitar things You're gonna guitar things so um, uh, Yeah uh, Giuseppe Gallo uh, Has finally confirmed from, from Italy He's gonna come over And talk about Italicus uh, Alan Katz Is gonna be on the show Bianca Maraglia From Uncouth Vermouth Is gonna be on the show And mm-hmm. she's got something To unveil I guess she's gonna Bring it to us first Yeah Um and that's kind of all the upcomings that I can see in the future. Except for way out there, we've got uh, uh, Willie Shine's going to be on the show and talk about all things Jagermeister. Arthur is, Shapiro which coming is, on soon. Oh as yeah, well. Arthur yeah. Shapiro's coming. Yeah, we got a bunch got a of, lot of. It's 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 that time, busy of here, time of year, man. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, and the holidays are coming up, and all that rigmarole.
3: Yeah. Anyway. What do you do? You, I feel like you're you're so quirky that like you, uh, during the holidays do you like fast you don't like actually cook anything or anything?
4: Uh, I'll tell you that so uh, Thanksgiving is tough for me it's my least favorite holiday I hear and it. for about um, I don't know there's there's a solid Ten-year run there, where I would have uh, I, would, I would, I would spend Thanksgiving with my, my granddad and a, and a turkey, um, one bottle, a of, turkey. one bottle of old granddad, one bottle of wild turkey, yeah. by myself <laughs> at my house. Uh, but for the past two years, um, I actually I spend Thanksgiving out at Dale DeGroff's house with Dale and Jill. Oh, right on, yeah, uh, and a bottle sure. of old granddad
3: Speaking and a <laughs> bottle of wild turkey. <laughs> Speaking of guitars, <laughs> well, um, so I, that's I'll what t- I'll be t- t- doing uh, uh, this
4: Thanksgiving. What about you?
3: Um, I don't know what I'm going to do on Thanksgiving yet, but it will probably involve some turkey. Right. Um, but I do have a recipe. It's a uh, my uh I've I've run many a pairs of uh, suede cowboy boots making this cuz I always forget to Do you make it in
4: the boot? No, no, <laughs> I just uh I
3: always forget to like <laughs> cuz I don't cook that often. Uh-oh. So I always forget to put like uh like towel or the uh oven, woody, oven mitts. Uh, oven mitts. Yeah. So I end up like dropping the tray. But I do a uh, Underberg glazed ham. Get Whoa. the fuck out of here. Yeah, so I'll share that recipe with you. I would love that. And if anyone out there wants it, I'll share it with you as well. well
5: you're two years ahead of the times. You
4: <laughs> yeah, right? you, yeah. you, share that with me. I will make it and, and take it to the DeGroffs,
3: and we'll we'll talk about it on the show Just after take that. take me to the DeGroffs, man. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, holiday's coming up. It's time. It's, it's that time. Eat drinking. Be merry. Eat, drink,
4: be merry. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Take that's us out, Damon. Too.
3: Yeah, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Shannon, thank you so much for being in the studio today. Thanks, guys. My homie's in here. Pim's, Pim's Cup. Pim's cups, baby. baby. Uh, it's weird to not see you wearing a bandana, but... Uh. <laughs> it's here. Ah, cool. Um, yeah, so that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Uh, tune in to Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Uh, click on the beating heart to donate so we can continue to make this radio show and not get paid. Uh, but <laughs> but keep the lights on yeah. and the, the microphone's yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, until next week, cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers, babies.
1: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord knows that country music's going to save your soul. The devil his in rhythm and blues that It's going to get you in the air.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.